Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, Gateway Church Wirral. Our apologies for the delayed start. Um, uh, technology. Uh, but they've been working so hard uh, to get us here both in the building and via the live stream. If you're on our live stream, our hope and prayer is that um, you'll have superb sound this morning. They've been working so, so hard at that for you. If you're here in the building, and indeed if you're at home, would you stand with me? I think it's so good for us uh, to just kind of get ourselves into this uh, posture of praise and of longing to meet with God. And I just want to take a moment or two to talk about Advent and Christmas before we come into worshiping our God together. I suppose the first thing to mention is you'll know uh, by now uh, that we have our drive-in Christmas specials on the 14th and the 15th of this month. And similar to the, the drive-in special we did in the summer, we're going to be at Woodside Drive-In Cinema. Those people are absolutely fantastic. And on the evenings of that Monday and Tuesday, 7.30 p.m., we've got one hour of an absolutely great candlelit carol spectacular and it's going to be really really wonderful you will need to book a free ticket and reserve them soon I know one of the evenings is already halfway sold out already um, so don't delay um, the details they've gone out by our normal messaging they're in the chat on the live stream this morning make sure you book in do it today and, and why not invite another carload of friends another house near you to come along as well and you will know as well as we progress towards Christmas, we're inviting everybody to be a part of something we're calling Love Christmas. And that's our way of saying that the message of Christmas is a message of love and hope coming into our world through the person of Jesus Christ. What we want to be doing is we want to be blessing families at what is a particular time of need. So we're partnering with, with schools and charities and churches right across the area, most particularly with our Winston's Place Day Nurseries in resourcing maybe up to about 80 families uh, with some really nice food uh, and some great activities for children over this Christmas period. And as well as that, we want to bless seniors in our community, perhaps those who are otherwise isolated and feel disconnected this Christmas, and especially, again, those in our care home, Orton House. And so what we're asking you to do is to give. It's to give financially, um, making sure that that giving is, is labeled as Love Christmas, and also to give your time and your heart and your energy. And so if you've got our prayer line number, our church prayer line number, we'll make sure it's in the chat. Um, do please message either family 
or senior, and we'll make sure that you can be a part of how to actually deliver that love and hope to others around us. I've got something just inspiring to, to read to you this morning before we pray and come to worship. 30 years ago, Vin Chung and his family left Vietnam in a fishing boat with 83 other refugees. After drifting on the South China Sea for five days, they were about to give up hope when they were rescued by a World Vision aid ship. A few months later, they began their life in America. They worked like crazy to make a good future for themselves. One day, Chung read Luke 12, verse 48, where Jesus says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. In 2002, when he was in medical school, Chung went back to Vietnam to visit with extended family. He was shocked by what he saw. The walls of their shacks were plastered over with newspapers. They slept on the floor. Everything was a struggle. He realized how different his life could have been. He says, then I understood. Jesus meant me. I worked hard to get where I am today, but the humbling truth is that my hard work was possible because of a blessing I did nothing to deserve. Whether you arrived in this country by boat or by birth, much has been given to you. It's an inspiring story, isn't it? Maybe you knew, maybe you don't know, but in the Bible, 15% of everything Jesus says relates to money or possessions. It's more than he taught about heaven and hell combined. Giving is about more our state of heart than the state of our bank balance or our wallet. And this is the way that we're wanting to look at Christmas this year. We can give because we've received much. Because Christ has come to us, we can go to others. And so in whatever way you can be a part of Love Christmas, financially and giving your time and your heart and your effort, I would urge you, recognize this Advent season. As we reflect on these things, God has given us so much. And he wants us not to live in terms of worry. There's so much worry about, isn't there? But rather trusting him to be a blessing to those around us. Come on, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that when it comes to the way that we live our lives, what we have and what we give, you speak a word of peace to us. You tell us not to worry about what we eat or drink or what we even clothe ourselves with. You say, Jesus, that our Father in heaven knows what we need. We thank you this Advent season that most particularly you knew that we needed you. And so you came. And you gave everything you had. You spoke everything that needed to be spoken. And you, you lived most perfectly. And you loved so fully that you loved to the point of the cross. Jesus, we praise you again for what we have received. Oh, Jesus, we praise you again for what we have received. And Lord Jesus, we're wanting to give now in worship to your good and glorious name. But each of these days as we approach Christmas, we want to give in ways that will show that love, show that worship, show your goodness into a world in need. So God, would you quell worry in our hearts? Would you set minds at peace? But moreover, would you fill us again with your spirit, the spirit that compels us to take the love of Christ into a world which so needs you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen.
Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it good to praise God this morning? Would you like to take your seats? It's lovely to have you here and also online. Well, if you haven't had the memo, Christmas is coming. There's a few of you who are excited. Hopefully in the chat you're getting excited as well. 19 days till Christmas. So let's see. Who has got their tree up already? Oh, there's a few of you who got your tree up. Who's got lights up? Who's done their Christmas shopping? Oh, I tell you what, we're quite organized here. Pretty good going. I've still got a few more to go, which is very good for me. Normally, I don't start till the week before Christmas. So Christmas is coming. Parents, you will be grateful that you don't live in Hungary. So my niece has three Christmases. One starting today. So Santa Claus came this morning, and she got chocolate and presents And let's just say, I think she's going to have to be peeled off the ceiling from the sound of it, with all the chocolate that she's had. She has, on Christmas Eve, baby Jesus brings on Christmas Eve, and then she has, on Christmas Day, Father Christmas comes. The only good thing about these parents is they don't put the decorations up until Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Eve, the tree goes up. But can you imagine having three Christmases? Aren't you glad you live here? You'd be skint, totally and utterly skint. But of course, Christmas is coming. And we are now in Advent. Who's got an Advent calendar? Yes, we've got a couple. Yes, I was blessed this year. I've got Advent bags. I've been given Advent bags. And it's good, isn't it, to open them every day. And Advent is about preparation and a journey. And last Sunday, it was the first Sunday of Advent, which was about hope and how Jesus brings hope into the world. This Sunday is actually about peace. Okay, and in a few minutes, Grace is going to light the second candle. And Jesus talks a lot about peace and how he came to give it. His peace isn't the absence of conflict, war, or trials, but is a calm assurance that Christ is in control when the world around us is in chaos. And it does seem a little bit like chaos at the moment, doesn't it, with the world that we're having. Right, now it's time for you to participate. So put your hands in the air like you just don't care. Both hands in the air. You're very obedient. Hopefully your hands in the air. Clasp them together. Okay, how many of you have had cold hands this week? It's been getting a little bit chilly, hasn't it? It was about three degrees this morning in the park. and that. What I want you to do is rub them together. Keep rubbing them. Keep rubbing them. Keep rubbing them. Keep rubbing them. Are we doing doing this at home? Are you rubbing your hands? Anybody's hands getting warm yet? Anybody got warm hands? Fantastic. Okay, you can stop rubbing your hands if you want to. But when we rub our hands together, isn't it? It's a little bit like friction, yeah? And it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And that's a little bit like about things are in the world where there's friction, isn't there? Where there's problems, where maybe two people are winding each other up. It gets hotter, it gets warmer and warmer. But today I want to encourage you is that Jesus has come to give you peace, to take that friction away. See, Jesus has promised us, not as the peace of the world defines us, but the peace of security, of wholeness, given by God through Christ's death on the cross. And of course, as we prepare in Advent, the gift is baby Jesus came, Prince of Peace. A couple of the scriptures that we'll know well, 
Okay? It's in John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How fantastic is that? As Jesus has come to overcome the world. And then Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, hopefully our children are learning this. This is our memory verse at the moment. Okay, A child will be born to us. God will give a son to us. He will be responsible for leading the people. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, who lives forever. Prince of Peace. Amen. So today, as we're entering into our second week of Advent, think about and pray for the peace of God, that we will know his peace, but also the world as well outside will know the, the peace of God this Christmas time. Well, I did think for a moment that we were being invited to rub our hands together to generate enough sparks for lighting the candles. Um, I'm not sure. Um, of course, if you are wearing um, a polyester Christmas jumper, can I advise you, don't rub anything. Um, this is going to go absolutely and horribly wrong, of course. Um, it is fantastic, though, isn't it, to be journeying through Advent. And I know um, we kind of think we're in the season of Christmas. Not so. I think the Hungarians are ahead of us in this. Um, we're in the season of Advent. It's a season of longing, of expectation, of preparation. And for us as a church, we're going to be rejoining a work of preparation in our hearts that we began a little while ago, and that is to journey through the story of God. And as we begin again into the story of God today, we're going to see the fulfillment, the culmination of the reason why Jesus came in the first place. Why did Jesus come into our world? Um, may I hesitate to say that it wasn't so that baby Jesus can bring you chocolate on Christmas Eve, um, as, as welcome as that would be. Jesus came with a very distinct, particular, and, and actually huge reason for coming into our world. And so we're going to dive back into that today. And as we go through towards even the end of the year, we're going to see how does that un unpack and unplay um, so that we might see the fullness of God's work in our lives and in our world. Over recent weeks, we've talked quite a bit about death and loss and grief, as well as renewal and hope, comfort, even resurrection. You might think it's a strange kind of topic to talk about. So much of our world seems to be about what is lost at the moment. So much revolves around death. Maybe you'd like a bit of escapism instead. Hmm. Well, Everyone's efforts are focused, and sensibly, rightly so, on avoiding, avoiding sickness, avoiding increasing the likelihood of, of death or of loss. And yet we ought not to avoid the topic, the subject itself. We really mustn't avoid, as Christians, a deeper understanding of death and, and the ability to speak life and hope into the bleakest of circumstances. Have you started to receive any Christmas cards yet? I don't know, have you started to receive? I've got some pictures of Christmas cards. I'm sure Berenice is going to help me with this. I do like a good Christmas card. I like a funny Christmas card. What have I got? Can you see that? There's a bunny in the bottom corner with a hairdryer. And he's going after these um, snowmen. And this one of the snowmen saying, it's not worth it, Roy. Let's just give him our noses and let him go. Um, I like that. I, I, obviously, that's how snowmen talk. I think you all know this. Have we got another one? Um, I'm sure we do. Oh, yeah, there you go. Angel ringing the bell. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Do you see that? 
Nice little tray of wings. Work with me here, people. Um, do we have another? I think we have another one. Is there another one? Oh, there you go. Um, if you've not bought one yet, you can just copy and paste this. Um, to a brilliant mum and dad, wishing you a happy and relaxing Christmas. You're still doing Christmas dinner, though, yeah? Um, is that a sentiment that's, even in these COVID times, we're still going to pop by for a takeaway Christmas dinner. Um, I love Christmas cards. I love the funny one. I love the, the ones with the scenes from Christmas as well. And, and the, you know, those Bible artwork scenes. Uh, anyone else? You're all looking blankly at me. They do make Christmas cards that have something to do with Christmas. Just want to tell you that. Um, and these kinds of scenes, aren't they? And you get the nativity scene, or you might get like the wise men, on, you know, a picture of it. And, and it says, wise men still search for Jesus Wise women too. I just want to point that out. And probably wise women would have brought more useful gifts, don't you think? Maybe some nappies and a nice casserole, something like that. I don't know. Um, it's very particular blokes, isn't it? Trying to show off with a bit of gold. Um, but anyhow, you, you get these lovely cards, don't you? And they're all about the scenes at the beginning of the gospel stories. I have never yet seen a Christmas card with the scene of John the Baptist wearing his crazy clothes, eating locusts in the desert. Does anybody fancy that Christmas card? Desert Christmas cards. There's a new genre. Wilderness Christmas cards, where everything seems to be kind of dead or on the way out. It doesn't sound like there's much of a market for it. But actually, that's the kind of a scene that Jesus is coming into. It's pretty bleak. There's a lot of death and decay, and there's a reason why John the Baptist is described as being out in the wilderness, calling out that the Christ, the Messiah, is coming. You might feel like that's the kind of circumstance this year, maybe in your own personal life. A lot of death, of decay, of wilderness. And yet that is exactly the kind of circumstance that you can expect Jesus to come into. And we might forget that that's actually where the Christmas story begins in times or places of death. But it's where the story's going to as well. The Christmas story ends actually in death because the Christmas story is not just about the baby Jesus but about the life of Christ, his whole life, that he would grow to be the one sinless, perfect person, perfect God and sinless man, all in Christ Jesus who came to love, who came to live, who came to die and to die on a cruel cross for your sins and mine. You know, there are so many wondrous stories, aren't there, at the moment of people sacrificing and, and giving up for the sake of one another. Most particularly, we hear often, don't we, of healthcare workers who might move out of their family homes so that they can continue to care on the front lines without endangering families. Or people working shift after shift after shift so that people can continue to receive the care that they need. I, I do hope and pray that folks like that are right at the forefront of your prayers this Christmas time. And these stories, they resonate profoundly with us, don't they? And they resonate perhaps so profoundly because the greatest story of sacrifice is of the sinless, perfect God giving everything to shoulder our sin, even to, the Bible says, become sin for our sake. That by his brokenness, the whole world might be healed and made whole. And this is where we're diving back into the story of God today. You might remember how the story's gone so far that 
right at the beginning, a perfect, good, right God made a creation, spoke it into being by the power and wonder of his personality such that it was good. And people made in God's image, very good. And yet, within that context comes rebellion, a lack of trust, a a choosing against God's way, and a fall into a desperate state. There's a corrupt work that begins in the heart of humanity and spreads into all of creation. And yet God, in amongst it all, draws a people to himself, giving them his law, ways of life, giving them a means that they might remain in his life and and giving him the words that they might speak his life into a world in need. And yet, even through this particular and uh, wonderful people, God recognized that they wouldn't be enough. There would need to be our one, the one. And so Jesus comes, not only a good voice, but the voice of God into the wilderness. And Jesus speaks life. He heals and restores. Jesus brings hope of a life with God. And we looked at the life of Jesus, how he, how he lived so perfectly, how everywhere he went, crowds flocked to him. He performed miracles and healed people who came to him. And Jesus has the authority not only to, to speak well, but to, to speak life, to forgive sin. He has the power over creation. Do you remember how he talked to the wind and waves and told them to be still? Does anybody want God to speak to their circumstance at the moment and tell them to be still? I imagine I could get a pretty good amen for something like that. How God has authority over darkness and death and the demons. And how God can raise the dead back to life. We learn also how the kingdom of God, for Jesus is a king. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. And we saw that the only way into this kingdom, into what is also the family of God as your father, the only way is through Jesus. I wonder, as we come again to worship now, what things have stuck with you from the story? You know, maybe, you know, over the the weeks ahead, you'll want to go back and recap the story. Maybe if you've never considered the story, you might want to open up maybe Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel and start to, to read of these things. If you want to hear John the Baptist in the wilderness, head to Mark's gospel. He dives right in there. And look, discover again what Jesus would do in your life, speaking his life into times of death. Praise you, Jesus. Just as when you rose from the grave, the ground began to shake. Jesus, we praise you for you can shake and and break all of the things that would seek to enchain us and seek to restrict us and seek to dismay us. Lord God, you bring a shaking and you bring a freedom through the fact that you are alive. Lord Jesus, we ask that by your spirit you would speak your life into our ears, our minds, our hearts, our souls, that, God, we might come again. We might come alive in you. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Amen and amen. 
We're wanting to continue in the story of God, the story of Jesus. And we recognize that the time that Christ spent here upon this earth was a time in which he loved most perfectly. And even as he was approaching the cross and all the horrors of of, of that uh, devastating death, Jesus still loved. And in love, he prayed. And he prayed for you and for me. He prayed for you. Even in circumstances like this, you might think, how could anybody know about this? But God knew. And he prayed for you. The story of God would tell us that just as Jesus finished praying, Judas, one who really should have known his love, whose heart was so ruined, Judas showed up with an armed mob. He greeted Jesus with a kiss, a sign to show the guards which one they should arrest. Jesus said to them, am I a dangerous criminal that you need weapons to capture me? Why didn't you just arrest me in the temple? I've been teaching there every day. No, this is part of God's plan, just as the prophets predicted long ago. When the guards arrested Jesus and dragged him away, the disciples, well, they ran away. They hid. The guards beat Jesus. They brought him before the Jewish leaders for questioning. They asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? Jesus answered, I am. And you will see me seated next to God in power, coming back on the clouds of heaven. And by this, Jesus spoke to his authority, to his divine power. When Jesus said this, The high priest tore his clothing in horror and said, any man who claims to be God must be put to death. Then they slapped Jesus in the face. They spat on him. Jesus was brought to the Roman governor, Pilate, since Jews could not execute anyone without official approval. The Jewish leaders stirred up the crowds and they pressured Pilate to have Jesus put to death. They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate feared a riot would break out, so he handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Crucifixion was the most cruel and humiliating way to die. Jesus was brutally beaten and whipped by the soldiers. They put a crown of sharp thorns on his head and a purple robe round his shoulders. Hail to the king of the Jews, they laughed. All night, the Roman soldiers beat him and mocked him. When morning came, they led Jesus to a place we might call Skull Hill. Like a criminal, Jesus was nailed to a heavy wooden cross between two thieves. Hanging there, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At noon, Darkness filled the skies, blocking the sun for three hours. Suddenly, the thick curtain hanging in the temple tore down the middle. At that moment, Jesus shouted, Father, I give you my life. It is finished. Then Jesus breathed his last breath and died. The soldiers broke the legs of the criminals crucified next to Jesus to speed up their death. When they found that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his legs. Just to be sure though, one of the soldiers stabbed him in the side with a spear and blood and water poured out. Late Friday afternoon, Jesus' body was taken down from the cross, wrapped in long strips of cloth and buried in a rich man's tomb. 
A large stone was rolled over the entrance to the tomb and Roman guards were posted to make sure nothing happened to his body. A story comes to a bleak and a black place, it would seem. But maybe as we recollect the story of where we've come from, and maybe you know where we're going, I think about perhaps that Passover moment. Do you remember that when we talked about the Exodus and how God would make a way for freedom to come to his people, for death to pass over them? Does it remind you at all of Jesus' death, of the sinless, the spotless one given, of the blood shed, poured out even, so that there might be a way of protection and of hope? Think on these things. Think on uh, this question. And I think the questions can be displayed as well if you find that helpful. Why is it, do you think, that the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus? Was it political alone? Was it religious alone? Is there something else going on here? When Jesus speaks of his death to the high priest, to the Roman governor, he knows that actually this is God's plan. And so why then do you think that that curtain in the temple, why did it tear in half? What do you think it separated? Maybe you know that that curtain represented that God was separate from his people by means of our sin. And when it tore in half, it indicated that that separation was being brought to an end. Heaven and hell, sorry, heaven and earth could be united again. God and his people could be united again. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? Those words of forgiveness, those words of surrender to his Father, those words finishing his perfect work. Think on these things. What do they mean to you? And as Jesus was offering those words of forgiveness, how do you think he could offer those words? The high priest said, you can't claim to be God. That, that means for you to be put to death. But yet Jesus says, I forgive. This is something actually only God can do. Have you received the forgiveness of God? Do you know that Jesus, when he spoke those words of forgiveness, was speaking them to you if you'll only receive him? We're coming again to worship just for another moment or two. I would urge you to reflect upon these things. Reflect upon the meaning of the story. This isn't just any old story. All too often we look at a nativity scene and we, we see just a little baby Jesus and some shepherds and angels and we think, oh, isn't that nice? Oh, dare I say it, it's not nice. It's wondrous that God would come to a world in need be so brutally used because we so desperately needed his sacrifice welcome to be seated again just for a moment or two and we're going to be drawing in towards a time of remembrance of the cross of communion uh, those of you who are here in the building uh, maybe the canny amongst you have brought your own supplies but uh, we do have uh, these delightfully flavored cups um, should you not have one and, and maybe I could ask some help if anyone's not got one you could just raise a hand and we'll get them to you that's great uh, thank you so much what I want to do is continue in the story of Christ and uh, you know just as you were led to kind of uh, rub your hands together before and the idea was of the friction 
and the friction that comes into our world. It seems to me um, that there is a great deal of such things in our world, as we, were, as we heard before. You know, maybe you, you, you're sometimes in conversations and, and you feel like, wouldn't it be great if there was a bit more light than heat in the conversation, a bit more illumination and a bit less enmity and energy. <laughs> and, of course, God looks into our world. And he looked into a world that, truth be told, was, was rubbing and, and bristling against his goodness and his grace. And, and rather than bringing the heat of his righteous anger into our world, he brought the light of his presence. And Jesus came and he died. You might know how the story goes. You can't extinguish the light of life. Jesus, well, I don't know whether you realize, but the season of Advent is truly about the three comings of Christ. Did you know that? It's about the coming of Christ into our world as a baby, Christmas time. But did you know it's about the coming of Christ from the grave? Did you know that? Advent is a season that prepares our hearts once again for the longing of the resurrection of Christ. Oh, don't wait till Easter. Don't just do this once a year. Every night when you go to bed, would you remind yourself, as surely as the sun rises, my Christ rose from the grave. And you know, Advent is also a season that speaks of the coming again of your Jesus, that he's coming again to this world to make all things new. I love a good comeback story, don't you? I love cricket as well, and that's where the amens might dry up. I was reading about some comeback cricket stories because I needed a good illustration. And um, one that really stood out to me, and I share this purely because I want to curry favor with our Zimbabwean brothers and sisters in the church, but it's a story of Zimbabwe playing New Zealand in 2001 in a one-day cricket match. Have I lost everybody by now? Not quite. Some of you are still with me. But um, Zimbabwe, sorry, New Zealand, they went first and they set a target of 274 for Zimbabwe to win. Doable, but... Uh, New Zealand were on fire that day, and they tore through the top order of Zimbabwe, and they found themselves four wickets down for only 50 runs. Things were looking pretty bleak. Yet, Zimbabwe, I say a hallelujah for Zimbabwe, we can do that. If we had any New Zealander members of the church, I might feel in two minds about sharing this story, but um, they came back. And do you remember Heath Streak? Do you remember this cricketer? Fantastic cricketer. He came in, played one of the innings of his life with one wicket left as everyone fell around him. They had 19 runs to get. They made it with eight balls to spare. Oh, I'm sure those of you who are Zimbabwean at home are cheering a little bit more excitedly than that. I love a good comeback story. I love it when all the odds seem stacked against and yet something good comes out. Should we have a Canadian story? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping for a good lunch. That's what this is. No. Um, you might, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You heard of a guy called Terry Fox. I have because, you know, there's some Canadians in my life. He was an athlete and he lost his right leg in an ongoing battle with cancer. 
He'd been a distance runner, a basketball player, but he refused to let his life fade away without making an impact. He refused to let the odds being stacked against him to determine his outcome. In 1980, Fox began the Marathon of Hope, a cross-country run to raise money for cancer research. His hope was to raise a dollar from all of Canada's 24 people, no, 24 million people, it's an ongoing joke, um, 24 million people. Fox ran the equivalent of a full marathon with one normal leg and a prosthetic, a full marathon every day. And over 143 days covered 3,339 miles. I don't think I've gone that far in my life. He was forced to stop his quest when the cancer spread to his lungs and just months later, at only 22 years of age, he died. But again comes the legacy. Because Terry Fox, his memory lived on on the roads and streets and the, the public buildings named after him. But not only that, but by 2018, a whopping 750 million Canadian dollars had been raised through the annual now Terry Fox run. And the sum has been given to cancer research, not just in Canada, but across 60 countries right around the globe. Isn't there a reason why these stories thrill the hearts? And the cricket one, you can set that one aside. But the second one, that's pretty good, isn't it? It thrills the heart because you know what? There's something about the resurrection hope built into you and to me. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every person. Months of COVID may pass, but I tell you, it doesn't extinguish the hope for something more, something better. Resurrection, eternity, the kingdom of God is in you, isn't it? Oh, I think we can do better than that. It's in us. There's a reason why we don't want to give up. Even when all seems lost, we're hardwired to look for a new dawn, to fight for a new beginning, because the greatest story of all is the one of new life birthed out of death. It's right at the heart of history, right at the center of everything. If you're a believer, it's the center of your being. Jesus died. He was buried. How did it continue? Early on Sunday morning, some of the women who followed Jesus, they're braver than the men. Some of the women who followed Jesus, they went to prepare his body for burial. When they arrived at the tomb, they saw the stone rolled away. The soldiers, nowhere to be seen. Suddenly, two angels appeared. They said, why are you surprised? You're looking for Jesus, but he is not here. He's been raised from the dead. The women were excited. Can you imagine? Are you excited? Come on, I can't see your mouths, but let your eyes show it. Are you excited? They were excited, a little bit afraid, but they hurried, and they went to tell the other disciples the amazing news. Some of them, they ran back to the tomb. They looked inside for themselves. Jesus was not there. In fact, Jesus appeared to them. Mary first. Do you remember? The disciples over and over, many times over the next 40 days, they touched him. They saw him eat food with them. He performed miracles again. He taught them. He reminded them of everything of what it is to follow him, everything of the kingdom. He opened their minds to understand how this whole story leads up to this moment. On one occasion, more than 500 people saw him alive. I look forward to the day when we can gather 500 people. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. 
What does it mean to you? What's the significance of this? Is it a quirk of history or is it more? What does it show us about Jesus? Does it show you that he has conquered death? He did it once for all. If there are the things of death in your life, your circumstance, he can do it again. The life of Christ is the life we need. He exchanged his life to atone for our sins, but he secured new life for us by coming again from that tomb. Jesus has not abandoned us. Does it speak to you, that truth? He didn't just die and then, oh, I've done that work. Now I'll go back to heaven. No, he came again. Physically, he came again because God is restoring his creation to himself. You know, you might not feel it today. You might not have it over the, felt it over these recent days. But God is making all things new. And he wants to begin with your heart. He wants to begin with your life and the way your life can bring newness into this world. I wonder, would you get your communion, uh, the bread, the cup that you have? Look, uh, these things, they speak to us so powerfully. If this is new to you, then maybe you just want to watch and hear and understand. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm sure you want these things with you. And can I just demonstrate the power of what we've been talking about today? You see, I, I hold up two hands before you. We talked about the friction that comes between conflict and and truly we know that we, humanity, we have been in conflict with God. But God made a promise. The story has been all about God's promise and God always keeps his promises. God always holds up his side of the bargain even when we fail even when we fail and we have all sinned and fall short of his glory. But here's the joy at the cross, arms stretched out. God did his side. And here's the wonder. Jesus held up our side of the bargain. What you and I could not do, Christ has done for us. I tell you, this is the best news you will ever hear. Dare I say it, it's better than a vaccine. And a vaccine is very good. God always holds up his promise. And Jesus at the cross, arms outstretched, he held up the part that humanity could not play so that you could be made new. And as we come now to worship, I wonder, would you take your bread speaks of the body of Christ. We often speak that the body of Christ was broken for our sake, and it was, that he died for our sake. But we remind ourselves again this morning that the body of Christ rose from the grave. This is not a spiritual apparition, no ghostly presence. No, Jesus rose bodily from the grave. If you are in Christ, you have new life. It is for now and for eternity. So please take and eat and remember these things. And we take the cup and we remind ourselves that he poured out his blood that our sins might be washed away. But we remind ourselves also as the scriptures have taught us that the life is in the blood. And as Jesus rose again, his blood speaks life, doesn't it? 
Forgiveness, yes. Newness, yes. Life. And so we drink and remember these things and say thank you for our life in you. We're coming into close now. I want you to ask yourself, how is this good news to me? Not only that, but how is this good news to my husband, my wife, my mom, my dad, my son, my daughter, my neighbor, my colleague, my school friend? How is this good news in this world? So we're going to go from this place, from our live stream, we're going to go into this week, we're going to gather as transformed communities and once again stir up the life that is within us. As we sing, as we worship, as we reflect, as we pray, how is this good news? Have you placed your trust, your faith in the good news of new life in Jesus? Those around you, have they done so? This is what we need. This is what they need. Tell them to bring their car to the driving Christmas special. This is what they need. Plan to take a hamper to someone, to write a card to a senior. This is what they need. Plan to give. Plan to love. This is what we need. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.